Tonight we welcome Frankie Boots back to the stage of the Phoenix Theater. When last we met Frankie on this stage, it was 2016, and he was just about to leave Sonoma County to start a new life in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. It is now 2019, and much has changed in this man's life. Tonight, we'll talk to Frankie about life, love, music, and more. And later, he'll play a set of songs for us. Please welcome to the program, Frankie Boots. Welcome. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Good to be back. Good yeah. to be back. You can tell that I'm smoking a cigar if you're listening to the audio, because... Um, yeah, it's just a, it's a little slower. It's mm-hmm. a, you know I'm a little more relaxed. It's yeah. just it's just it's a very casual sort of situation we have here. It's yeah. good, easy going stuff. You know? I just I want the iTunes listeners to know what's good going call. on, what they're missing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know, Frankie has been spending a lot of time in the smoke filled taverns and uh, road houses along the way. It's and, true. Uh, this yeah. is just our way of saying welcome back. Thank you guys. This is uh, I feel right at home uh, with a nice uh, kind of dark uh, smoke filled room with you guys. Yeah. Perfect. It's fantastic. Frankie, if you don't mind, mm-hmm. could you give us a summary on the last three years of your life to sort of set the stage for this evening? Sure. When, sure. Last, when last we met, mm-hmm. uh, it was 2016, like I said, and symbolically, you were at a crossroads. You were going to a new place. You mm-hmm. were going to be leaving behind a lot of people you played music with for a long time. You mm-hmm. were taking someone with you. Mm-hmm. Just fucking give us the summary. Yeah, right yeah, 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 yeah. I'll take it from there. Um, yeah, so uh, there was 2016. Um, I believe it was maybe a few months before uh, we actually left. So we moved down to New Orleans um, at the very end. I mean, literally, I think we got to New Orleans on January 3rd of 2017. So it was not only a new year, but just a whole new kind of horizon. Um, We decided on moving down to New Orleans for a number of reasons, but um, a lot of it was to do something new and kind of be in a different place. And so we got down there. And uh, didn't really know a whole lot of people, honestly. Uh, knew a couple people, had uh, you know some some minor connections and whatnot. But um, yeah, we were just uh, my my f- well girlfriend at the time, who later became my fiance, and uh, now as of uh, about a w- nine days, is now my wife. So we uh, we moved down there. Thank you guys, thank you. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, so we uh, we moved down there. Um, been down there for a few years. Uh, I, you know, kind of took a little while to get our footing, uh, maybe even longer than we initially thought, but, um, you moved there at what age? Uh, I was 35. Yeah. That's a different time than a lot of people do their first move. You'd lived in Summit County for most of your life, right? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. I kind of feel like, um, I am living my life 10 years behind in a lot of ways, you know? I feel the same way. Do you? And I fucking love it. Yeah. It's great. Because I feel like a lot of the older people, Tom, you can identify, uh, you know, it's just, you you look around yourself and you're, and you're like, my God, these people Uh are so (laughs) domesticated. Yeah. God Uh, bless them and God love them. For sure. But I don't, I, I, I want... I want to transfuse the blood of the young into mm-hmm. my veins yeah. so that I can also be young. And <laughs> totally. so, you know, I don't yeah. know if you've ever felt that. Oh, but. for sure, man. Well, I mean, Frank, uh, Frankie moved to New Orleans to do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah. true, you know. And like, yeah, it, you know, a lot of my f- friends and contemporaries at 35 are buying houses and settling down and having kids and stuff like that. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. But for me, I just kind of feel like that was just not in the cards. And like I said, living, you know, my life as a 25 year old, uh, when I'm 35 has worked out well. And I think a lot of it is a mind state 
It's, uh, you know, if you're kind of out uh, living, you know, your life somewhat as a 20 something, even if you're 30 or 40, I feel like it can be invigorating and can kind of uh, keep you with a fresh perspective on things. I get frustrated by people mm-hmm. who are in their 20s and their 30s, even their 40s and their 50s who talk about how old they are. Oh, yeah. I, I, I get very frustrated by it. Yeah, Because sure. you, you are, I mean, barring some sort of a physical or emotional or uh, mental you know, circumstance that you are out of, out of control of. And that happens, you know, Mm -hmm. people have things that age them, but outside of like that sort of thing, Mm -hmm. um, it's so mental, you know, it's so up here and it's Mm -hmm. so like a frame of mind. Absolutely. You you can meet a 20 year old who's Mm -hmm. very old and Mm -hmm. you can meet a 60 year old who's very young. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's all kind of a state of mind and, um, I feel like playing music has been, uh, really kind of helpful in that department because, a lot of the folks that I play with and a lot of my friends uh, through music are still very young, you know, um, especially like folks who are out touring, doing uh, kind of like some extensive like road work and stuff. It's, you know, it's it's a young person's game in a lot of ways. And uh, if you're going to go out and kind of like jump in a van with a bunch of people, I feel like there's a lot of folks who kind of hit a certain age and kind of get over that a little bit. So I've found that like a lot of the folks who are are down to do some of these tours and go hit the road are still in their 20s you know a lot of my really best friends are are in their mid-20s late 20s I mean my wife is 25 you know and that wasn't something I mean obviously didn't like try to plan that out or anything we just you know met and fell in love and stuff but but it's it's really cool I mean I feel like um in a certain way, she definitely kind of adds to that you know by kind of uh keeping me uh, feeling young exactly Yeah. yeah Yeah. What sort of pushing and pulling did you feel inside of you during those first months or years? Mm -hmm. Because you said it took a little longer to get acclimated to New Orleans. It did. Yeah. And and this is something that I feel you don't necessarily know until you've done it. But um, my thought moving down there was that, oh, yeah, we'll go down there. You know, it might take a couple months to get to know some people and like set of put a band together and kind of, you know, we'll make friends very quick and stuff. And we're both pretty gregarious people. Um, but uh, yeah, it's you get down there and, and I don't know because I have never moved um, to another city like that. And so maybe it's specific to New Orleans. Maybe it's just moving far away where you don't know anybody. But uh, it just uh, it it took a little while to set up gigs to meet a band. I mean, I didn't really put a band together for like the first year that I was down there and still played mostly solo shows. It took a while for uh, my wife to find, uh, you know, employment that was gainful and and something that she wanted to do. And um, yeah, and just when you're down there, you just forget about what it's like, especially when you grow up in a town where you go to school with people, you have connections through work, you've been around uh, your whole entire life and you just don't realize how many of these like little side connections you just have and when you go and you start out completely new you know it's, you can walk into you know a bar or walk into a party or something like that and it's like you really kind of have to forge these new connections um, and I don't know necessarily if it would have been easier if I had moved down there single you know we both were kind of talking about that would it be different like would it be would you be more outgoing? I mean, we spend a lot of time together. We love each other very much. And like, she's my favorite person to hang out with. So sometimes it can be, you can go to a party and you just, you know, talk amongst yourselves and it's not really a big, um, motive. There's not a whole lot of motivation to be as outgoing as you might be if you were just down there by yourself, you know? 
thing with her though, and her name is Hannah. Mm-hmm, Hannah Boots. Sure. We yeah, call her yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, joke that has probably been made many times. <laughs> um, but first time it's been recorded, so I lay claim to yeah, it. Yeah, sure. Even if it's bad. Hey, it's very new. Look, I'll take it. <laughs> uh, um, she can hang. Mm-hmm. And that's something I really like about her and that I cherish in people. For sure. You know, you, you can go to a thing with her and I bet you can go off and do this thing and then she can find people to talk with. I mean, oh, that's absolutely. an important thing, I think, for someone such as mm-hmm. yourself, maybe such as myself. Totally, man. Yeah, yeah. I think you meeting her, if I recall correctly, um, mm-hmm. was like just like a pivotal moment in your life. It for sure was. Yeah, Because yeah, we talked about it on the last one and we don't need to rehash everything. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you had years where things were not so bright. Mm-hmm. And for sure. do you do you feel like meeting her was was the thing or do you think it was part of a collection of things yeah i think that um it was a very um key moment in in uh, a wider kind of arc of things you know and, and i mean for, i don't think that things well obviously things wouldn't be the same had we not met but yeah. um and it wasn't like i was honestly i wasn't like actively out looking for a relationship, you know, and, uh, and had been through a number of them that had not worked out and was kind of just like, you know what, I'm just going to be out kind of just living my life and not really worrying about that. And, um, and when we met, it was very like a chance meeting, you know, and some of the reason that we did meet was because she's exactly like that. Just like you said, it's like, she's totally fine. Like at a party or a show or something like that. It's like, she's down to talk to whoever and, uh, and does not necessarily feel, um, intimidated by, you know, being by yourself out anywhere, you know? And so that was probably some of the reason as to why we got to talk and we met at the Arlene Francis center and, uh, and it was just like, and it was interesting because we met and, um, we just met that one time, you know, and, uh, but we had like, you know, chatted for quite some time and I immediately knew there was like something special about this girl, you know, and, uh, and say what you will about social media and stuff like that. But, you know, Facebook, uh, messenger, uh, was around. So tracked her down and, uh, and started talking to her and then didn't see her again for months. You know, like we went, we left to go on a tour, like a six week tour right after that. And it was interesting because being in a van for six weeks where, you know, you're just so much downtime. Like we really kind of developed like a relationship chatting back and forth, like through text messages and stuff like that. And so it was interesting the second time that we ever hung out, like I knew so much about her, you know? And, uh, and so that was, uh, that was very interesting. And yeah, and things kind of, uh, just got better for me, you know, in a, in an interesting way, you know, after, after we met. No disrespect to anybody, but mm-hmm. you know, you'd been in a number of relationships mm-hmm. before. For and sure. I feel like until you meet that person, mm-hmm. that person who you ultimately ended up marrying, mm-hmm. I feel like w- when you get in ones that don't work out, you start to doubt aspects of what you're looking totally. for yourself, uh, compromises you need to make in yourself in order mm-hmm. to exist in yeah, a partnership. For sure, for and sure. I'm just curious, like, have you thought about like what you thought love was prior mm-hmm. to meeting her and mm-hmm. then what you think it is now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's interesting because, you know, I went through a, a breakup with, uh, like a girlfriend that I had for two or three years, you know, and that, uh, I cared for deeply, you know, and, and and we broke up and it took a long time to kind of get over that. But a friend of mine said to me, he's like, hey, like, you know, he's kind of an older fellow and he took me out for ice cream one day. You know, and he's like, <laughs> yeah, it was really nice. And he's like, listen, man, he's like, I know, you know, you're having a tough time and stuff, but like you're going to find other, you know, somebody else who's going to 
have, you know, who's going to like give you other things that this other relationship did not, you know, because it's, it's tough when you go through a relationship and you, you know, if you're having a hard breakup and you think, Oh my gosh, like this was so perfect this way and this other way, but you don't realize like what you're missing until you meet the person that you, uh, you know, are, are meant to be with or other thing. I mean, everybody has different things that they can contribute to a relationship and things like that, you know? So I feel like, yeah, I, I think that, um, it's, for people who are going through tough breakups or uh, having like hard time finding somebody, you know, like having successful relationships or anything like that, it's just like you just got to kind of keep on stepping up to the plate and keep uh, keep looking because you can get in a dark place where you know you're just like, oh, there's nobody for me or like this, you know, this doesn't exist and stuff. Because you were there, I was, you yeah, were. for sure. I mean, I, I was like prepared to be a single guy for the rest of my life. Honestly, I, I didn't really know if I ever pictured myself as like the marrying type at, at one point. And, uh, and, you know, and like, it, you know, it might seem kind of cliche or like rom-com esque, but honestly it was just like when I was like kind of looking for at least, um, was when, uh, was when I found her and we found each other and stuff. So, uh, yeah, because again, we don't know each other really outside of these mm -hmm. interviews, but like yeah. you strike me as somebody who probably at one point kind of maybe romanticized the idea of like being this kind of sure. troubadour guy, oh, yeah. kind of like the totally. grizzled sort of like, <laughs> you know, you yeah. not that you would disrespect anybody, but you yeah. know, you go from town to town, yeah. you do what you do and yeah. there's Rolling Stone gathers no moss. Yeah, absolutely. Is that a correct assessment? Jim, of uh, you? you nailed it. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure, man. Um, and, and, uh, and I wasn't like, uh, yeah, I wasn't trying to necessarily kind of, yeah, like you said, like I wasn't trying to, you know, disrespect yeah, just, anybody. Yeah, it's a little something here yeah. and there, you know? Yeah, man, it's just, you know, as somebody who travels a lot, a lot of the times it is hard to, like, kind of, um, you know, plant roots or develop a a relationship with somebody when you're out on the road all the time. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I did kind of see myself for, like, I was like, well, maybe that's just who I'm going to be, you know? is just, like, a guy who's kind of out touring around and, like, uh you know, falls in love from time to time and, 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 you know, is never in one place for too long, but, uh, but it's, it's cool. I mean, like I, once I met her, it, it really gave me a different perspective. Like you don't have to be that guy. There's this like trope that is kind of developed of like, oh, well, you know, if you're gonna be a rock and roll or a songwriter or something like that, you need to be just out, you know, moving from one town to another, just one night stand or like out, you know, drinking and doing drugs all the time and stuff. And, um, and, and that's that had its time and its place for you. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Oh, don't get me wrong, man. I mean, I've been known to party once or twice and might still, but, uh, but yeah, I just don't think that it's necessary to just kind of be this like traveling wrecking ball, uh, everywhere you go and be like just indulging in all kinds of crazy shit because it's not necessary. You can have like a pretty cool, like domestic life and still be, uh, an artist. You know, it's not, that's, that's been sold to us for years. And that'd be my it. question. What has that done for your art? Uh, yeah. How, is it, how has it informed your, your songwriting? Um, it's interesting. I um, honestly, uh, I was not sure about how that was going to go for a minute, you know? Before you answer that, and I think yeah. that's a great question, mm -hmm. it's just you've got the voice for that lifestyle. <laughs> you write the songs for that lifestyle. Mm -hmm. The genre yeah. fits that. So mm -hmm. it's like it must have at a certain point, especially when you really fall in love, mm -hmm. it must have been a mind fuck for you. Oh, for sure. Because you start to, no, seriously, yeah. you might. I would imagine mm -hmm. you would start to deal with issues of identity and like mm -hmm. who I am and what I've 
I've kind of yes. built my life path towards. Yes. And how does like happiness and domestic bliss mm-hmm. factor into this? Yeah. At times it probably felt like it couldn't. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, it was, uh, it, it was actually a really big part of my identity for a long time, you know, just like kind of hard partying single fella who just kind of did whatever he wanted to all the time. And that was, um, yeah, it's like you have to kind of reimagine yourself at that point. Uh, and there was a point in time where I was like wondering how that was going to work. And there's still people, you know, like acquaintances that I have who just think that like, you know, like they're going to like, if we have a show or like if I come to a party or something like that, we're going to stay up for two days and just party on stop, you know? And, uh, and, and it's, it's tough to be like, you have to kind of live that down a little bit. If you set yourself up to be that guy at a certain point in time, um, you know, if you desire to, which I did and, you know, which I didn't realize that I wanted to until like I met Hannah, you know, was just said like, uh, yeah, I just don't know if I want to be the guy who's just always out there partying all the time out of the bar. And, uh, and I was for a long time. And, um, but to answer your question, Tom, um, it was, uh, yeah, it was, uh, I have so many heartbreak songs, you know, it's yeah. a very easy thing to write about. It's like, yeah. uh, it, and it's like a place that you can channel very easily. I feel like with, with songwriting. And so, um, writing songs that are a little more like more like love songs, but also like conscious, like it's hard to like write a love song. That's not like some cliche thing, yeah. you know? And that's been something that, uh, that I've been finding over the last few years, uh, how to do. And I think that they're getting better. And I think that, uh, I'm really proud of the new stuff that I have. And like, uh, and it, cause yeah, it's just, it's just easy to write about, about heartache and stuff. And, and I still will. I think one thing about writing, uh, writing songs is that for me, uh, I do not necessarily always write about exactly what's happening in my life. Like I'm still able to, channel into some feelings that I've had previously, you know, whether it's about relationships or, you know, a place that I was at, like mentally, um, I, you know, like I think if you've gone through things, you can still, at least as a writer or an artist, like hopefully kind of reach back into those feelings and like, you know, still articulate them through whatever your art form is. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I really, I enjoy, writing about things that I care about and I enjoy writing about love and I enjoy writing about heartache. And I think that it's as long as that's part of your fabric and in your past and, and where you've been, then, uh, hopefully you can continue to write about all that stuff. And that's kind of what, uh, what I've been, uh, continuously trying to do. Why do you think it's easier to write about heartache than just to write about happiness? Oh man. Well, it's just, it's so much easier to dwell on, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, um, I think it's your personality. It could be, you know, and, um, And, uh, and I think it also kind of falls into kind of what you were saying before about like, you know, being the, you know, a kind of gravelly voiced songwriter who stays up late and drinks and stuff like that. I mean, maybe that is who I am, you know, uh, to, to a certain extent and I'm fine with that. Um, but, uh, I feel like there's a lot of raw emotion that's tied to, um, heartbreak and heartache. And, um, I think that, uh, it's just a little bigger of an entity inside you sometimes that, uh, speaks more towards artistic expression sometimes more like at least it's easier to, to reach, you know, like, like love, happiness, those kinds of emotions are, I think a little harder to craft into, um, digestible or interesting, um, content, you know, uh, whether, whatever your art form may be. This, I think ties into both the New Orleans and, and the love. Do you feel like you just generally have like a, a, a darker perspective or a lighter perspective? 
Because you you are easygoing. Mm -hmm. You can talk to pretty much anybody. Mm -hmm. This is what I've gathered from you. Yeah, thank you. But also, you know, you you look into your eyes and you can see you're a person who's had (laughs) some great darkness. back there, yeah. Exactly. So, I (laughs) mean, what do you think? I mean, when you you think about just yourself, Mm -hmm. do you you tend to drift towards the darkness or do you Mm -hmm. tend to have more positivity in you? I would say that... uh, I would say that like I have uh, a optimistic outlook with kind of a uh, pessimistic um, kind of rear view. Um, I feel like most of the time I am able to like think that even if things aren't going well, things are gonna get better. I feel like life overall is something that is moving forward in a good way for me. And for, you know, I mean, hopefully humanity. I mean, I know it's kind of a hard thing to feel at this point in time and uh, what's going on with the world. But, um, but yeah, I feel like uh, I embrace a lot of, like, darkness. And I feel like that also makes – it can harden you and, like, make you uh, a better person. You know, like, um, pressure – you know, it's required to make good things, you know, and I feel like a lot of the times, um, choosing a harder route and, um, is, uh, is what's been kind of what I wanted to do and, um, and surrounding myself with some kind of darker scenarios and things that, uh, have been not the most, um, wholesome of activities in the past, uh, have given me an outlook to, um, th- think that, uh, things are, are going to get better if they're not good already. Um, I think that if you've been in dark places, then it's easier to see the lighter places for what they are, you know? And so I, I would say that overall I'm a positive person and I'm a, and I'm, uh, a, uh, a lighter side, uh, person, but, uh, but I do like the darkness a little bit too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You got the darkness in the rearview mirror, but you're, you're moving towards the light. Trying to, you know? Yeah, for sure. I just feel like New Orleans is a dark city. It is. And you, you come from a dark place in your life, though your, your family, you've always described them as quite loving, right? It's not like you, I remember when they first met Hannah, you, Mm -hmm. you said, you told the story on the, on the first Frankie Boots episode. Mm -hmm. You were, I believe they said to her, we're just so happy that he's still alive. (laughs) (laughs) That is true, man. They did say that. Yeah. You know, (laughs) and and I, and I wonder, it's like, I I feel like at earlier points in our lives, especially those of us who were just like fascinated by characters, by darkness, by Mm -hmm. the other side, by the, the not normals. Right. There's just something more inherently interesting about that darkness for sure man yeah but then i think you get a little too indulgent about it at your own peril yeah for sure i don't know if that resonates Mm -hmm. at all but when you think Mm -hmm. about those folks that you were partying with Mm -hmm. or doing whatever it was that you could have gotten arrested for in an earlier time in your life you think about those characters and when you're in the moment you think Mm -hmm. like these people are so much more fucking interesting for sure man. do you agree with that i would definitely agree with that and i think that um kind of any sort of uh, interacting that you do with with that kind of you know maybe underworld side of things or like more nefarious characters 
is great. And like, and honestly, like, I, I don't know, like if I had to like give advice to like my own kid or something like that, would I tell them to maybe take some chances and dabble in some of the dark arts? Like, I don't know, you know, but I'll tell you what, it's like, I really enjoyed it. And I think that there's something that's uh, really beneficial about like walking up to the edge and kind of looking over it, you know, and seeing what that does for you. Because there's, it's also a fine line, you know, you can get carried away and, um, and, uh, late nights and drugs and maybe illegal activity and things like that. It's a slippery slope. And sometimes you don't see how far you are down that slope until it's too late. Um, but, uh, in, in New Orleans is you're right. I mean, it's a dark, it's a dark place in a lot of ways, you know, there's a lot of crime. There's a lot of like late nights. There's a lot of indulgence. I mean, people call it the big easy for a reason and, uh, and it can be real easy until it's not. And, uh, and I think that it's a good kind of metaphor almost for like my, the way that I try to like my outlook on life, you know, is it's like on the outside and like the overall, positivity of the place is like yeah man like we're gonna get through this together there's uh, a lot of beautiful art and music and a lot of beautiful people down there but you know if you draw back the curtain a little bit there's there's some there's some dark stuff down there man hannah come into your life and mm-hmm. obviously a, a point of light mm-hmm. um do you feel like there was a period or like a moment in your life mm-hmm. where you were like okay that's the edge. Yeah. If I go a step further, yeah. it's time to swoop up. Or was yeah. it just a, a collection of a rear view mirror incidents? Yeah, there was, um, I, I feel like there's been a couple of those times. I don't think you just go to one edge necessarily. You know, there was um, an edge, um, I'm trying to think about a good way to articulate this without incriminating myself too much. <laughs> But there was a edge at one point that I where like I, one time when I was like in my early twenties and I was uh, partaking in some, you know, side uh, income. We'll say and you referenced it on the first episode too, so it's oh, like I, used okay. a long time listener. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this was like it was pretty dark, man. I was just in a you know, I was in a place where I like looked around and I was like, dude, this is not a cool place for me. Like, it was it was weird. It was all very normal until I was found myself in like essentially you know a, more or less a trap house, you know, and it was just like spray painting on the walls. You know, like the language I didn't understand, you know, things were pretty dicey. And I remember being in there in that moment and I was like, this is an edge, you know, this is a spot where, I, you know, and that, that was kind of an awakening. And, um, but then I also, um, you know, dabbled in a few other things later on that was not maybe quite as, um, you know, not quite as risky, but still, not uh something that you would want to be in trouble doing and um and that that was also an edge you know um i think that an edge with had it had some edges with partying too you know where i was like oh man like this is this is this is far enough with uh with with that you know woke up in some places that uh wasn't quite sure how i got there things like that and like you have to see that edge and uh in order to 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 reel it back a little bit you know and so it's not just one edge i don't think it can be a few edges I mean, who knows, you know? Um, but again, that, that becomes a part of, of your musical history as well. For sure, yeah. Well, totally. and this, this is obviously why we go into all this, because mm-hmm. your music is so... I mean, you say it, it's not about specific incidents, obviously. Mm-hmm. You know, you can channel things from the past, but all the stuff you've lived makes it mm-hmm. into these songs. Totally. And that's, that's why I find you coming back on here so fascinating, because you, you it seemed like when you were on 2016, it was like the tail end of mm-hmm. the wild however many years, mm-hmm. let's say yeah. 10 or 15 years yeah. of 
yeah. Frankie Boots, uh, yeah. playing it close to the edge. Yeah. And it seemed, how long have you been dating Hannah in 2016? Oh, we'd been together for about two years. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you maybe prob- a year and a half, maybe. You know? And I assume that first two years, like we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. was a period of uh, pushing and pulling inside of you. Mm-hmm. It's like, I like, sure. I like this, but they're also like, yeah. I, am I still me? Yeah. And sometimes I'm sure that even got in the way of the relationship, all this oh, like yeah. stuff in your head. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know if you feel this is too corny of a question you talk mm-hmm. about corny lyrics and stuff but I, <laughs> yeah. I mean, i'm curious because we've now talked about a lot of darkness but mm-hmm. but light for a minute it's like what do you feel like she's represented in this new era of your life mm-hmm. yeah that's a good question um honestly uh she is well it's crazy because she is so much more of a kind of together uh, person essentially you know for lack of a better word but um yeah it's uh she does not have the, I mean, she approaches different edges, you know, she has different, like not necessarily the same ones that I have. Like she doesn't feel the need to, um, go out on uh, a bunch of like crazy all night parties and stuff like that. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like she'll step up to the plate when the time comes if need be. But, uh, but she, uh, like, you know, there's times we'll be out and stuff and she will be like, do you want to go home right now? And I'm like, I think I do. Yeah. You know, like I didn't realize that like where it was just like, if I was left to my own devices, I would not probably be doing, be doing that, you know? And it's not something where, and that was like something that I kind of worried about a little bit when we were kind of first starting to date was I didn't know how to process that. And I wasn't like, and I was like, man, am, am I like missing out on things? Am I like, uh, am I changing my approach to life and like especially nightlife and stuff like that is this like taking something away from me and it wasn't you know like it took me a while to realize that that I was like oh no this is just like I don't like necessarily want to be like out until six o'clock in the morning you know and it's been great it's like it really kind of and it took somebody you know her it took her to kind of like wake me up to a lot of that stuff but i think at times you're like but the other guy has gotten me so far <laughs> oh yeah it's yeah, like yeah. i you know by the time you had met her you were pretty established as a musician around yeah. here and you've mm-hmm. had a level of success in sonoma county mm-hmm. that has exceeded a lot of folks that we've had on here mm-hmm. um you know it, it, it's like you i think the mind starts to get all weird you it's second like, guess yourself you, for you sure fu- you fucking think like yeah. if i too if i do yeah, this yeah, yeah, yeah. do i become yeah. like everyone else yes and i don't know that people outside of that sort of dark Mm -hmm. weird identity headspace Mm -hmm. fully understand yeah totally this thing that is healthy yeah this is healthy i don't know i just i think about this a lot because i'm I'm certain that it's something you oh for sure man yeah no it it absolutely has you and it's like but here's the thing is that like i feel like sometimes that uh and it depends on where you're at in your life for me it's like i was 33 when i met her you know like i'd had I mean, a solid couple decades of partying, you know what I mean? Like I'd been down that road and, uh, and, and it's just like, I, I mean, I, and I might've kept on going down that road. Um, but, uh, it's, yeah, like the first, you know, couple years of it, it did take me a little bit of time to like adjust. And like, and there was like doubts of like, you know, is this, is this going to change my outlook on life? Is this going to like affect my art? Is are are people going to think that of me differently? You know, and, but then you realize that that's not what it's about, man. It's like, that's a, it's just not something, and it takes a while to realize this, but it's not something worth, it's not a hill that I want to die on, you know? Like, I don't need to be the guy who's going to be out, you know, taking it to dawn every single time. And, uh, and here's the thing, man, is that like, I, I, you know, 
bring me a good party, I'll still take it down, you know? Like, I'll still have a great time. It just doesn't need to happen every single weekend, you know? And, uh, and I think that there's something to be said for that because, uh, honestly, like, you got to... I think slow it down at some point. Otherwise you're going to burn out. You know, you can't continue to be the guy who's going on, you know, bender all night benders, like, you know, every, every week, you know, it's a few you times know, I think a week. Having a solid partner has made it or is, is made that change a little more organic for sure. And a little yeah. more, and it makes more sense and mm-hmm. it made it more natural. Just make that change. You don't want to have to live up to pe- other people's expectations of you, you know? And so if you're able to like look inside yourself and be like, you know what? No, this is like, this is who I am. And if, and if, you know, if, if Frankie Boots isn't the guy who's out drinking all night long and taking 45 shots at the show or something like that, then so be it, you know, like that's fine. And, and, uh, and I embrace that fact. And, and I just don't think that, uh, you know, it's something that's like, you know, worth continuously, like, you know, hitting your head, hitting your head up against the wall, you know. Do you feel like that's something you've struggled with in your life, the uh, living up to other people's expectations? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you will, you create, and, and like, and that was the thing when I was like in my early 20s. I mean, I really loved being that guy, you know, even, I mean, when I was in my late 20s, you know, and, uh, and a lot of my heroes were, you know, these kind of Kerouac, you know, Hunter S. Thompson, Bukowski. You looked like Hunter guys, S. Thompson you know? in one of the songs you performed tonight. Oh, yeah. The nice. you had with the glasses, oh, with the glasses. And the Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> I nice. 100% thought that is who it fucking looks like. Dude, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, I wasn't going for that, but I'll take it. That's great. Yeah. And here's the thing is I would rather look like him than I would actually be him at, at you know, I mean, perfect example when after about like the late 70s man like that guy i mean i love hunter s thompson i think he's uh, and it was an incredible writer i think he was a unique person but uh man when he hit the 80s you know it was just like his art just fell off and you just can't continue to just you can't just beat your mind down like that you know with 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 all those drugs and i think i mean he was still incredibly prolific and still had some great stuff here and there but you know, it, it's late '60s and early '70s. This stuff was just incredible, and I and I just wonder how. I just wonder how much more we could have got out of him if he hadn't just like continued, like yeah. gone down that path. And he once again, he created. He was Hunter S. Thompson. So whether or not he wanted to walk away from that and be somebody else or not, like he almost didn't have a choice. You know, you paint yourself into this box as like I'm the party guy and like this and that, and it's hard to get yourself out of. And that's what I did for a long time. And um, and like I said, don't get me wrong. I mean, smoke some cigars, drink some beers, and, and uh, every now and then if the party is good, like, I'll watch the sun come up, you know? Yeah. But uh, but just it doesn't have to be on, like, the regularity, and it doesn't have to be to live up to something, to some image that, uh, you know, you might have built for yourself or what somebody perceives you as, you know? You released an album in 2016 right before you left called Pagan Ranch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, first of all, why Pagan Ranch? Pagan Ranch was an actual place. It was um, a uh, a spot that um, I lived for a while uh, with a good buddy of mine where we were just growing a bunch of weed out there. Uh, it was in Sebastopol. And it was uh, in those like mid-20s uh, years that I was referring to. And it was a, a pretty awesome time in my life. Um, and it was, uh, yeah, it, it, and the song itself is more about like, maybe not that exact place. I mean, it was inspired by that spot, but more of like, um, this kind of like utopian idea of like having a, a spot 
the that you can go and you can live and you can um just kind of be who you want to be and uh and live the life that you want to live you know and that that's more of like what pagan ranch is and and for us at least it was you know i mean obviously there were some good times and bad times but looking back on it it was just like a lot of like really awesome uh good times money was rolling in things were nice you know <laughs> it was a pain to count it all there was so much yeah oh yeah yeah shoe yeah. boxes full of hundred dollars oh yeah tons of it <laughs> <laughs> but yet that album ends with the song hell of a year mm-hmm. which is uh you know we don't need to read the lyrics but like mm-hmm. uh, describes a tough year talks about sure. you crying at night it yeah. talks about a lot of tough stuff mm-hmm. was that 2016 for you or that was, was it- 2016 yeah. yeah yeah it was tough i mean um uh, a friend of mine's uh like yeah one of my absolute best friends in the world you know his brother went missing up in uh the woods up in oregon and um and never came home you know and that was uh crazy and it was really tough and it was something that uh, I still grapple with today as a lot of us do um and that was like the I think the fall of that year and that was about the same time that uh well it was a little bit before Trump got elected and um and we were moving out of the house uh in Katati getting ready to move down to New Orleans and like when I wrote that at that time it was just a lot of late nights. It was like putting stuff in boxes. Is this the right choice? What am I going to do with all this stuff? Am I leaving this band behind? Is this the right move? You know, it was just a very kind of, everything kind of came to a culmination at that point, like at the end of 2016. I mean, it was a very pivotal, pivotal time for me. Um, and then for the country and, um, and, and then to top it all off, like, you know, um, my friend's little brother who was like my brother, you know, like went missing and, and it was just like, it was just brutal, you know, and there was just like a lot of fucked up shit that happened in 2016. And, um, yeah, I was just like sitting up late one night, uh, and kind of thinking about all this stuff, you know, and, uh, and wrote that song. And, uh, it's still like, it's, it's interesting. Like, I have a lot of people who like, uh, tell me that they love that song. It was, it wasn't like an afterthought or anything like that, but it certainly wasn't something that like I had set out to like put on a record, you know, it was more of a kind of late night reflection on things. And we had some of the songs kind of already done on that record. And, uh, and I wrote that song sitting up late one night and I was like, this has got to go on there too, you know? It just feels so symbolic. That mm-hmm. whole album feels so symbolic. It feels yeah. like the the presentation of what you thought was like your utopian lifestyle. Yeah, it's it always going to be. It's yeah. always going to be this good. <laughs> yeah, this is going to. Mm-hmm. Wow, we figured it out. Mm-hmm. You know, money is good. Yeah, I'm surrounded sure. by friends. Yeah, you know, if we want some weed, we got a lot of weed. Yeah, oh yeah, or whatever yeah. else we want. Yeah, totally. And yet. Um, you know, a very painful transition. Mm-hmm. And, and, and now you're like three years removed from that. And mm-hmm. you always have a new album coming out, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like that really, that album, whether, I don't know if you even thought about it or not, but to me, just hearing your story, mm-hmm. it just feels like such a, such a documentation of like the life Frankie Boots thought he was going to live. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then a bunch of stuff came up mm-hmm. that made it. So no, that wasn't going to be the life. <laughs> totally, man. And yeah. then we went on a new path. Yeah. That's an astute observation. Um, and it's one of those things too, like what you said, like, I don't know if I set out to make that record necessarily, but that's the record that was made because that was what was happening, you know? And, uh, and, and it was very true. It, it was, it was kind of like the last road marker for, uh, a pretty big era of my life, you know? Um, and could even be said that it was, um, you know, 
maybe the yeah final resting place of a lot of my philosophies about life or like uh, previous like younger wild years you know um and uh and yeah it's i look at our move to new orleans as um something that kind of really kind of bookended it's just like really put a firm cap on a lot of things like band changed where we were living changed and thus, thus, um, a lot of like my outlook and my day-to-day activity changed, like my income changed. I mean, everything really just transitioned at that point to the life that I'm currently living right now. Last question. What did it feel like nine days ago at the height of that? Oh experience? man. Amazing. It was, uh, I would say that it was, um, it was love unlike uh, anything that I could have imagined it would be. Um, you are essentially, um, you're in a vortex of it and you have all these important people and your family members and all these folks that you know uh, supporting you and kind of cheering you on for it. And it's kind of like they're all giving you like a boost into the next uh, phase of your life with this other person. And um, I will also say that planning a wedding is uh is pretty intense so when the day finally comes it is extremely nice and it was just a really beautiful day and everybody um really kind of came together for us and uh and we had a lot of help so um being married is way cooler than i would have ever imagined it to be honestly you know it really is it's just uh, i wake up every day and i think about it i'm like oh there's my wife right there you know it's just uh, it's still uh getting used to it coming off coming off the tongue you know tom gaffey still a high (laughs) yeah any closing thoughts for the Frankie Boots Part 2 episode? This is Frankie Boots in love. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful thing. Thanks, Tom. But you know what? Uh, again, uh, from our last experience here, a couple of years ago, I've been telling a lot of the young musicians that come through, nope, you got to tour the South. For you sure. Get, your down, get yourself down to the South mm-hmm. uh, because people go out and see music. Mm-hmm. The clubs are closer together. Mm-hmm. The tours might be a little easier. Mm-hmm. And is yeah. that correct? It is, yeah. I mean, I, and that's that's a thing that I would uh, I would recommend to, yeah, any kind of young, uh, young bands or artists like uh, coming out. I mean, yeah, just it's hard because it is a ways out there. But if you can get yourself down there, uh, you can and stay down there for a while. I mean, it is. It's super lucrative. The pay is better, you know, as well as it is out here, if not better. The gas is about a dollar a gallon cheaper. Yeah. Um, the crowds are really great. And, um, yeah, it's just, uh, it, it seems to be a little bit easier. Um, and I just recommend getting out there, too, because you find out so much more about yourself. It informs your songwriting. It'll strengthen your band or, you know, maybe break them up. But if it doesn't break them up, it'll make you stronger, you know? Well, Frankie Boots. Yeah, Jim. It's uh, 2019. We have you on our calendar for 2022. We'll check back in. Sounds killer. See how three years of uh, domesticated married life has been and to see where you're living, you know? Um, Thank you so much for joining us. Dude, thanks for having me, guys. I uh, I always love hanging out with you and and checking in. Yeah. It's a guess. It's like obvious. Obviously, we say this to everybody, but your music is is chronicles of your life in some way, shape, or form. But like, it's a pleasure to like really document, Mm -hmm. like, in a conversation for sure this, this yeah. like life that you've lived and yeah, um, totally. it's just really generous for you to do that so thank you for yeah. joining us well thanks for having me man um yeah it's just very important i love uh, what you guys do here is um is just amazing so i'm honored to be a be a part of it cool well thanks for coming yeah. thanks for coming and now in just a moment 
the music we've been sort of referencing all night. <laughs> Frankie Boots is going to play us four songs with a band. Thanks again for joining us, Frankie. Thank you, guys. <laughs> But these days it seems so ridiculous 
lose your rules Let me take my hand down to the Pagan Ranch Something sounds wrong I've half-assed and skated past A lot of things in my path But I won't put up with no second-rate song I ain't no crybaby, no belly aching, no prima donna Straight shooter sticking to my guns. I ain't no crime, baby, no belly, no prima donna. You know the way I like things done. Call me control freak, good deeper head, backseat driver. I'm just a straight shooter sticking to my guns. I'm just a straight shooter sticking to my guns. When you came home 
used to be your favorite song Loved by everyone but you left at home Yeah, you let us all go Pace the bars looking for a familiar face Another wine stained grenade Forgot your name Pat on the back, no Peck on the chin You square back, you square one again Stranger 